Welcome to Epiphany Brooklyn's podcast. I am Brandon Watts, lead pastor here at Epiph. Thanks so much for tuning in. Our desire is to join Jesus in his mission to redeem our city. May God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in each week. Man, it is good to see you. Good to be here. Psalm 122 says, I was glad when they said unto me, let's go into the house of the Lord. Our feet shall stand within your gates, O Jerusalem. I'm always excited to be gathered with God's people. There's some new faces uh, that I don't know. So shout out to y'all for hanging out with us. Look at your neighbor and just say, I'm happy to see you today. Come on, look at somebody else and say, I'm really, really, really happy to see you today. Let me jump right in and ask you guys to grab your Bibles because I I am eager and hungry to hear from God. Grab your Bibles and meet me in the New Testament. We'll be in the book of Mark. We will be in Mark. And once you get to Mark, go to chapter 5. Man, I hope y'all are digging the new setup. We we are trying to... um, trying to capitalize on the numeric growth uh, over the last month, really month and a half, we started to see like a spike in, um, in attendance. And because of that, our current, uh, the way we were set up, uh, just didn't allow for uh, more seats. And so this, this way, the setting the space up this way with the balcony uh, does give us, I love that Gabe uh, threw that out there, uh, does give us more room to get a few more seats in, uh, and, and so I'm, I'm grateful for that. By, by the way, uh, look around this room. We need another space. Let me just say that. I want to look at all your faces when I say that. We need another space. And so you could be praying. In fact, last week we threw in uh, our application into uh, another space, 16,000 square feet. Come on, God. I need you to open that door. Um, so, so be praying. I, I always like to make sure I lay before you those prayer requests. Uh, we, we are not just like um, asking God like by faith. We are by faith and also putting action towards our faith and trying to make sure our financials and everything is in order, uh, which we are diligently uh, pursuing this space in, in, in negotiations. Uh, so be praying for that. This week coming up is a big week. Uh, you know what's so dope about this space is typically you have... Um, you have direct contact with either the broker or the lawyers or but in this current situation, we got like direct access with the owner, which is which is kind of dope. So be praying that that God would open that door so we can get some more space and get back to one service. A to the man. <laughs> not, not only does this space, you know, setting up this way allow for more sweet seats, but the phone shui up in here just be like it, it's just it's conducive for worship. Uh, and speaking of worship, shout out to the worship team. Grateful for them. Chris Lilly. And man, last week was our Piff Rewind and our worship team, I mean, put in some work. I mean, I'm grateful for them. Jeremiah, who was with us for a few months uh, to be able to help us out, was, was a huge blessing. Josh leads our... Can we thank God for Josh, y'all? Our musical director has oversight over all of the music, and I'm grateful for, for all of them, all of our singers, uh, Rob, and everybody that just has been serving and serving and serving. I'm grateful for them, Justin and Brad and, 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 and Jake and just everybody. I, I want to honor our worship team because y'all don't know uh, the nights that they're here when you're not here to prepare for uh, worship, but also they come here so early on Sundays and then they serve all three services and they're so dedicated and so faithful. We need to honor them and say thank you to them for leading us so well. So shout out to the worship team. 
All right, Mark chapter 5. I'm so eager to, to, to jump in, so let's just do it. Verse 21. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him. He was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. Verse 24. And he went with him and a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I even touch his garment, he will be made well. I mean, Jesus is so powerful that you don't actually have to touch Jesus to be healed. You can touch the stuff that touches Jesus and automatically be healed. It's something so divine and powerful about that. Verse 29, and immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus perceived in himself that power had gone out from him and immediately turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my garment? The disciples going to get a little, little quick with the lips here. And his disciples said, you see the crowd pressing you? And yet you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told her the told him the whole truth. And he said to her daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Verse 35. There's a turn here in the story. And when he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house someone who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James and John, the brother of James. And they came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and Jesus saw a commotion people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But he put them all out of the house. Jesus, he's, he's that dude. <laughs> he put them all out the house and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in, the child, went in where the child was, taking her by the hand. He said, Talitha kumi which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking. For she was 12 years of age. And they were, immediate, they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this. And he told them to give her something to eat. I, I want to preach today from the topic entitled, A Necessary Inconvenience. A necessary inconvenience. Let's look to the Lord before we dig in. Our Father, we're back at it again. Back at it again because we realize that you have the words of life. And so today we, we, we gather ourselves, yes, for worship. We gather ourselves, yes, to see our brothers and sisters. But Father, we, we gather ourselves to hear from you. 
So, Father, we believe that your word is true. We believe that your, right, your word is right. We believe that your word uh, ha- has no error in it. And so, Father, would you speak to our situations today? Pray that Jesus Christ will be glorified. May we zoom in on the power, the authority, and the empathy that Jesus shows in this passage. It's in Christ's name we give all glory. Let everybody say amen. A necessary inconvenience. My last semester of undergrad, I graduated in 2012 uh, for for my undergrad, and my last semester um, really came down to one class. I I had a church history class, and there was a paper that was due, and I was struggling in the class the whole semester, and finally it came down to this one paper. Uh, The problem was it was the week before, and that paper was due that Monday, and I literally had nothing written on the page. So I made up in my mind earlier that week that that Saturday, I'm going to knock the whole thing out. I was working a full-time job, and so I couldn't just do the paper during the week. Y'all know, y'all college students know what I'm talking about. So I dedicated Saturday. I said, Saturday, no interruptions. Nothing's going to stop me. I'm going to knock the whole paper out. And uh, I was committed to that. I got up that Saturday morning, pulled out my laptop, brewed some coffee, and got busy, got working, and I was working, I was productive. You ever had that moment where you started writing and just like everything was flowing? I had that moment because, you know, that's not often. Most times I sit down and stare at the page for 10 hours, but, but, but something kicked in that day and, and, and I was flowing through the paper and somewhere about early afternoon, maybe about 12, 30, 1 o'clock, Ty comes in and she says, we, we got to go. There, there's an emergency that happened at my, my, her mother, my in-law's house, and my mother-in-law is crying. And so we got to get to the house. And in my mind, I'm going, they're going to have to cry until tomorrow because I got a paper due. But she, she, was, she was adamant. That's insensitive. We got to go. The problem was we lived in Philly. They lived an hour and 15 minutes in Jersey. So I was like, man, I really don't want to go because I'm going to fail this class. And, and she was like, we got to go. So I, I packed up the laptop literally in the car, was trying to type out work as she was driving. And I'm reading and working on my way. And we get to the house. And the scene when we got to the house was my father-in-law was outside trimming the bushes like nothing was wrong. So I'm, I'm a little hot. <laughs> I'm a little tight that he's chilling right now. And I had to rush here. Still unconvinced, I didn't know what was going on. I run to the door and I open the door with all of these emotions bottled up at one time. And I open the door and it was a bunch of people in the house giving me a surprise graduation party. And I didn't know whether to curse or or, or, or smile. I just didn't know I was mixed. But that was the moment. That was the moment that I realized I don't like being inconvenienced. Anybody in here like that, that you just... You, you want, when your schedule is set, don't interrupt me. Don't one meeting could throw me off. One conversation could mess me up. One text message could mess me up. And that's how I operate. And that was the moment I said, I really don't like inconveniences. But the longer you live, the more you'll realize that inconveniences are a part of life. Interruptions are unavoidable. I'm about to be 40 years old in a few months, and I promise you, I've lived through some major inconveniences, and now I'm looking back, I'm going, oh, that's just a part of life. And so if if you're that person that lives life and you want to live life with no interruptions, listen, the kids will throw you off. Your job will throw your weekend plans off because you got to work on a report when you were supposed to be at the birthday party. See, that's how life works. If you live long enough, people, your friends will cause inconveniences in your life. And if you're not prepared for people inconveniences, you should stop living because that's a part of life. And what Jesus does today 
in our passages is Jesus helps us balance out what life inconveniences look like. He shows us what's really supposed to be priority. Now, as we're doing this, I want you to put yourself in the place of Jesus. As we're working through this passage, verses 21 to 43, make sure that you're thinking, what, you remember how we used to wear those t-shirts, what would Jesus do? Let's, let's, like, let's like really put ourselves in the passage and consider what you would have done. Look, look at the passage with me. There's a couple things that happens here. Verse 21, and when Jesus had crossed again to, in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him. He was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And seeing him, he fell to his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come, lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. Watch what Jesus does. He doesn't argue. says, and he went with him. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. We're introduced in verses 21 and 22 to one of the main characters, a guy by the name of J. Iris. Somebody say J. Iris. We can call him J.J. for short if y'all want to. But J. Iris is, is, um, is in the text, and the Bible says that, that Jesus pulls up to the shore, and the first person he's met with is J. Iris, but he's there with the problem. He's there with, with, with something that he needs Jesus to do. What does he need Jesus to do? He says, my daughter is sick. But don't just note that she's sick. She's sick beyond the point of healing. She's sick to where she's about to die. She, she's beyond the point of Theraflu. She's beyond the point of Robitussin. She cannot take two pills and call the doctor in the morning. Y'all look like uh, all natural home remedy type folks. So she's beyond any home remedy. Y'all all natural folk. Y'all got to help me out because, you know, I've been trying to grow in, in my, in my non-GMO world. And so, you know, my foods, my produce is non-GMO. My, I've worked on the toothpaste now non-GMO and all natural and, 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 and the mouthwash. But the deodorant, I just can't. I, I just can't do. I, I bought a deodorant not too long ago and I felt your boy was in the streets unsure. I just, I just wasn't sure that it was a hot day. So y'all got to help me out. Y'all got to give me some advice on the all-natural deodorant. This little girl is beyond the point of any home remedy. She doesn't need a, a, a doctor. What she needs is a miracle. But it's a good thing that J. Iris heard about Jesus because Jesus is a miracle worker. And so the Bible says that he comes to Jesus and he implores him to come back with him at his house because his daughter is about to die. Now, you're not only introduced in verse 21 and 22 with his name, but we get his title, his position. The Bible tells us here that he's a ruler of the synagogue. Don't miss this detail. This means he's a man of influence. He's a man of prestige. He's notable. He's important. He was at Rock Nation brunch yesterday. That's that, that he was with Jay-Z and, and, and Diddy yesterday. And, and so he, he's a man that is highly esteemed. And, and so Jesus now, he, he's in a predicament where he either hears him, listens to him, or he doesn't go. Now, what's important for you to note is most, not just most, the rulers of the synagogue were the religious leaders. Religious leaders didn't fool up with Jesus. They, they just didn't fool up with Jesus because they thought Jesus either had a demon. They, they thought Jesus was a false prophet, a false teacher. They, they just didn't trust him. They thought he was there to build his own empire, earthly empire. And so they did not fool with Jesus. And so for J. Iris to come to Jesus for help means that Jesus was the last resort. 
means that he done tried a lot, just like the, the lady done tried, uh, uh, the woman with the issue of blood has tried physicians. She's met with her last option. Jairus is met with Jesus as his last option. And that's been my prayer for you this week. My prayer for you this week is that God would pull down all the functional saviors you have in your life because Jesus doesn't want to be one of the options. He wants to be the only option. And many of us, many of us hold Jesus on par with a bunch of other stuff. But I pray that your job would fail if you're putting it in front of Jesus. I pray that that relationship would fail if you're putting it in front of Jesus. I pray that your bank account would be zapped and go to zero if you're putting it in front of Jesus. I know you're like, don't mess with my money. But if you put it on par with Jesus, listen, you are setting yourself up because money makes a bad God. But Jesus doesn't want to be one of the options. He desires the throne and he doesn't want to be on throne with a bunch of other gods. He wants to be the only one on the throne of your heart. And so Jairus here is at his last resort. He is at, and that's a good place to be where you've depleted all options. Where you're at your wits end. And the only thing you have left is Jesus. And some of you are there right now. Some of you done tried a lot and. You've pushed a lot and you've done a lot and things have not gotten better, but gotten worse. And that's Jesus probably saying, listen, I want you to experience me. Because when you experience me, you'll realize everything else is fleeting. Everything else doesn't make sense. Everything else fails into comparison to Jesus. So J. Iris, we get two things. We get his name and we get his platform, his notability, his prestige. We know that he's a ruler, not just a Jew. He's a ruler of the synagogue. And so you would think that this is the most important, uh, 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 the most important event for Jesus that day, right? Because Jesus, this woman, this young girl that's 12 years old is about to die. You would think Jesus would make a beeline to his house and not stop anywhere. Don't talk to me. I don't care about this crowd. In fact, Jesus was so dope. He could have blinked his eyes and all of them could have been at J. Iris house. But he doesn't do that. Look at what happens in the text. Verse 30, uh, verse 24. And he went with him. And the crowd was great and followed him and thronged about him. It says here in verse 25, and there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was not getting better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch his garment, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt her in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus perceived in him that power had gone out from him and immediately turned about in the crowd and said, who touched me? I'm going to skip down. uh, After uh, he finds out who touches him, the Bible says in verse 34, he said to her daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Be healed of your disease. I know J. Iris is tight right now. I know he's like, let's get there expeditiously. Why, why are we stopping? Why are you talking to this woman? I just told you my daughter was about to die. She's only 12 years old. She, she has more life to live. Jesus, don't talk to nobody. Get to my house. But Jesus doesn't do that. Please note the severity of the two sicknesses. Like the woman is only bleeding, but the young girl is about to die. You would think Jesus would say, ah, you bleeding. Let me come back tomorrow. Jesus does not do that. He stops and deals with her issue. You got to understand the severity of her issue as well. She may not be ready to die, but she ain't got no money. 
because she spent all she has. She probably is emotionally all over the place because she's been sick for so long. Yet Jesus does not make a beeline to J. Iris' house. He welcomes a necessary inconvenience. He, he welcomes an interruption. And I, I realized when I read this that Jesus, his mission wasn't just to get to the girl's house. His mission was people. Because Jesus often, ministry for Jesus was not the destination. It was everything on the way to the destination. You know how many times Jesus did not just heal when he got there, but he healed on the way there? But see, you're, you're, if you're like me on that Saturday, it's just the destination. Don't, don't interrupt me. Don't, don't, don't stop me. Don't, don't make my life harder. But Jesus is like, no, I welcome those interruptions. I welcome those interruptions because I know it is those interruptions that really makes life impact for people. And I realize when I put myself in this place, I don't care for people the way Jesus did. Luke 19, verse 10, Jesus' mission statement is there. It says, the Son of Man came to seek and save that which is lost, people. But what we do is, I'm going to just put myself on blast. What I do is, I only care for people if you're on my calendar. Okay, y'all, y'all going to see I'm in the middle of the room. Y'all all looking at me. I need y'all to join in and at least say amen like that's you as well. Like, I don't care for people the way Jesus cared. And I want to. I was convicted when I read this this week because I realized I'll care for you if you got something to offer me. Okay, y'all, y'all not going to talk back. I, I'll, I'll, I'll be inconvenienced if you got some clout. Y'all know we'll rearrange our schedules if the person got some prestige and the person got some notability and the person can help me out. You can get me some more Facebook followers. I'll take a selfie with you. But if Jesus did that, he would have went to J. Iris' house because that's the place where he had notability at. That that is the place where that is somebody that is up there. That is somebody that has a platform, but he doesn't do that. He stops to help a woman that you don't even know her name. Like, look at the text, Brittany. Do you see the text? In the text, it does not, it does, she's about to do an Insta story. It, it does not tell us her name. It doesn't tell us her name. It just tells us her condition, that she's had an issue for 12 years. But Jesus does not, like, Jesus could have got some more followers if he took a selfie with J. Iris. If he got to his house, like, he could have, he could have had a connection with the Jews because you're a ruler of a synagogue. They hate me. So let me get in with you because that could help Jesus Baptist ministry out. Jesus does not do that. He stops to help a person that cannot bring any value to him. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we got to the place where you built into your busy schedule room to be interrupted by people? Well, wouldn't that be wonderful if we didn't rearrange our schedule because you add value to me, but I'm going to rearrange my schedule just because I love you like Jesus would love you. Just because I care for you the way Jesus would care for you. Do you realize one hug might stop somebody from committing suicide? One conversation might build the faith that they need. Well, one time just sitting with them and hearing them out might be the thing that brings them back to Jesus. But, oh, we're so busy. Don't inconvenience me. Don't stop. There's a lot in this passage. We could have did a four week series on it. But the thing that stuck out to me when I read it in one sitting this week was I don't like to be interrupted where Jesus does. Jesus cares. And and so the Bible says here that this woman interrupts him. And Jesus here isn't clout chasing. 
Jesus here isn't climbing. He's not social climbing. He's not thinking about his brand. He knows this woman is not getting him no Facebook followers. This woman is not bringing the woman with the issue of blood isn't bringing any value to him. But he loves her so much that he'll stop what he's doing to be inconvenienced by her. And I love this because really what this says is it doesn't matter who you are and what you've gone through and what you're going through. Jesus actually welcomes your interruption, too. You, you know how many of us are going, Jesus, okay, I know you, you too busy healing cancer. I get it. You, you too busy healing uh, the sick. And my, you know, my little request to you is small. Jesus is like, no, bring that to me. No, I, I want that. that. That one thing that nobody else wants to hear, Jesus wants to hear. Jesus cares that much. And so he stops in his track from going to heal the young girl. And he stops just to be interrupted by a woman. And the Bible says that. Even though she had this issue for 12 years and her situation got worse and she lost all her money on physicians and her situation wasn't getting better. Jesus heals her with what physicians could not do. Now, after he heals her, the woman with the issue of blood, the story takes a turn. Look at verse 35 with me. Now, the turn that it takes, I know J. Iris is tight. Look what it says in verse 35. While he was still speaking. There came from the ruler's house someone who said, your daughter is dead. Why are you troubling the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus says to the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear. On his way to the house, the little girl dies. I know J. Iris is like, listen, Jesus, she's been sick for 12 years. Why couldn't she be sick for 12 years in one more day? At least that's how I would approach Jesus. Like she'd been sick. She's been she's been having a hemorrhage or this issue of blood. Why would you stop to heal her? You could have done a drive by healing with her. You could have spit some Holy Spirit on her. and She would have been straight. But Jesus doesn't do that. Not only does he heal her, he stops to have conversation with her. Why would you stop to have conversation when you can get to my house? But what I think is happening here is. Jesus is trying to stretch J. Iris' faith because right now J. Iris only knows Jesus as a healer. Okay, notice something here. I, I studied this earlier this week. Oh, y'all, 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 I come fully prepared today. Listen, sometimes I ain't prepared. Today I'm prepared. <laughs> Listen, this is the truth, the honest truth. When I looked at Jesus, did you, he, did you raise anybody from the dead in Mark chapter 1? No. Did you do it in Mark 2? No. How about three? How about four? No, at the beginning of five, you had to raise. Jay Iris has to has known that you could raise people from the dead. No, he, he, he doesn't know. In fact, Lazarus was, ra- was raised John chapter 11. You, 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 you get the widow at Nain's son raised in Luke chapter 7. But here in Mark 5, in the timeline, you don't see that Jay Iris even knows that Jesus. So Jay Iris only knows Jesus as a healer. He doesn't know him as a resurrector. Yeah. <laughs> And that, you know, I think I think that God is trying to stretch some of you in this room because you only know him as a healer. But he's like, I'm a provider, too. You, 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 you don't know him as that. You, you, you don't know him as my righteousness. You, you don't know him as a comforter. You don't know him as a father. And he's like, look, I'm going to keep you going to be broke. So, you know, that that job ain't paying your bills, but I'm your provider. And, and so what Jesus is doing here is, I think. 
This could be a little conjunction, but I think that he is trying to get Jairus' faith to be stretched. And so he says, listen, you know me as a healer, but yes, I could have went there and healed her, but she died. And so now let me show you a different side of my power. Really what this is, is this is Jesus. Jesus never walked around claiming authority. He just showed that he got authority. You know, you really don't have authority if you got to walk around and say, I'm in charge. That ain't, what Jesus, that ain't how he rocks. Jesus doesn't walk around and say, I'm the one in charge. He walk around and heals stuff and raises stuff in the same moment. Like only Jesus can do that. Only Jesus can heal the woman with the issue of blood at the same, by one touch of his garment, not him. One touch, she's good. One word. You know what else I saw about this passage? You know, it's interesting that. He wanted Jesus to come. It specifically says and lay hands. Jesus never laid hands. He comes and says, get up. What you doing? You sleep? Oh, get up. Like that's how Jesus, that's how dope he is, that he's able to raise stuff that nobody else is able to raise. He says, get up. And he doesn't just care about her life. He cares about her health because he says, give baby girl something to eat. Feed feed her something. So she, he cares about her nourishment. In other words, I would be, I would be half a preacher if I did not point you towards the glorious gospel in this passage. Jesus does not only raise us from physical death, but that points me to the fact that he can raise you from a spiritual death as well. See, the greatest miracle in this passage was not the woman with the issue of blood being touched. It it, it was not the, the young girl being raised to life as dope as that is. That's not the miracle in the passage, because if if Jesus ministry was only to heal physical sickness and raise death, he you know how many people were sick and still are sick. Okay, let's do it this way. You know, this little girl died again, right? You, you know Lazarus ain't walking the earth right now. He de- so Jesus wasn't, he was raising for a specific point. He was raising to show you, I got power over physical death, therefore spiritual death ain't nothing for me. Okay, see, the problem is you don't know you that, that you're spiritually dead outside of Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Ephesians chapter 2 will say it this way, you are dead in the trespasses of your yeah, sins yeah, yeah. and which you once walked, following the course of this world, and by nature you were children of wrath. And then it goes on to say, but... God made us alive with Christ. And then it goes on to tell me that we were raised up with him. That's resurrection. And so Jesus does not just want to point you to a physical resurrection. He wants to show you your dead heart was made alive. And this is the kind of God that we serve. A God that looks down and sees you in the muck and mire and says, I want them. And I'm going to raise them up like that. And so he raises this little girl. Doing two things at one time, he heals the lady with the issue of blood while he raises her. And in other words, Jesus cared for people. How are you doing caring for people? How, how busy are you? What does your schedule look like? Like, like how, how unavailable are you? I know you're an introvert, but are you always an introvert that nobody can ever interrupt you? God, interrupt me. Have people interrupt my life so that I can make real impact on people. Ministry is about people. God has you here to impact people. Do your friends get the impact of you or are you too busy? Do they got to make an appointment? Every head bowed and every eye closed. I'm convinced, you know, many of us are not doing a good job at getting in the life of people. And, and if we are, we're only we're only good at getting in the life of people that can offer something back to us. 
but that's been my prayer this week is God, help me to really care for people and hear the stories of people that can't offer me anything. Would you give me that, oh God? Father, I pray for everybody in this room. You say stuff, oh God, like Matthew 25, verse 40. What you've done to the least of these, you've done to me. But unfortunately, we got self-absorbed with this Christianity. Our schedules have kept us on our grind to a point where we don't have time for people. We, We don't have time to hear the hurt and the brokenness. So, Father, I pray that you would interrupt our schedules. And interrupt our schedules in a way, oh God, that we can really get in the life of people that they feel tangibly that we care. May us not, may, may we not walk out and just say, oh, I'm, I'm going to do it because, you know, the Bible. No, may we genuinely want to because we want to be more like you. Father, I'm thinking about the conversation I had with the brothers yesterday about Jesus being our prototype, the, the first man And how everything after him should look like him. We're all being conformed to the image of Christ. And Father, the image of Christ says, care about people. So Father, would you do that today in our hearts? This week, not next week, but this week. May we intentionally look for ways to create space in our life for people. May may, may that be our drive this week. Because we we genuinely want to look like you want to walk like you we want to talk like you we want people to feel your presence through us being available it's in christ's name we pray and give glory amen